This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Don't be a pussy, laser my fucking tits. And welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I am Rachel, shocked to this day, <laughs> still shocked, Reeves. Woo! I'm sorry, I'm Jen, laser my tits, Adam. <laughs> In homage to our brand new intro, which is not new to you, but it's new to me in the time-space continuum of recording slash editing. And I am in love with that intro. So kudos to Rachel who created it. So maybe it could be if you were like a wrestler, it could be like your like theme when you like walk out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Don't stop. That's the part where I almost spit my drink out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Well, we are not talking about laser tits today, unfortunately. We are talking about season two, episode six, The Bloody Doors Off. And whoo, there's no laser tits, but there is a whole lot of awesome stuff to talk about. And I can't wait. But before we do, I think we might have some news. Um, So let's move into our first category and check in with Huey Cutie and see what news he might have. Yeah. So as of recording, this is the week that Gen V hits the Amazon Prime airwaves, which I don't know if you call that airwaves, but the the internet superhighway. I don't know. Um, (laughs) That's what Al Gore calls it, I think. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Gen V, it's there. Um, And while we still don't have a release date for season four, there is, I think, some actual hope that we're going to get something soon because the strikes have been tentatively resolved. Um, So we might actually be hearing something about that. So that's kind of exciting. And yeah, seeing how Gen V takes place. As we mentioned earlier, between season three and season four of The Boys, it might seem like the timing is kind of perfect because it'll give the chance, you know, this the show a chance to kind of unfold and then kick right off into season four. And who knows? Maybe we'll be caught up to it by the time season four rolls out. <laughs> maybe we'll we will. I know. And yeah, we have um, we still haven't solidified plans about when we're going to cover Gen V. But we will cover it. I'm probably just going to cover it after season three. But we'll we'll talk about it amongst ourselves and we'll let you know. And I swear, I'm not going to make the joke again. But every time you say Gen V, I'm like, what? What? Is somebody talking to me? But me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> me? Gen V. Gen the V. <laughs> the V. I'm, now I'm seeing Emilio Estevez yelling flying V in uh, The Mighty Ducks because mm. I'm a million years old. Um, <laughs> All right, let's move into our next category, the name of the game. And I, I'm not mad at this name, the bloody doors off. I like this one. I feel like it's it one is kind of cute, and mm-hmm. also it, but like badass, not not like girly cute. It's superhero cute, and uh, also apt. So mm-hmm. here's our yep. description. The Sage Grove Center trademark is dedicated to caring for those struggling with mental illness. <laughs> 
Our compassionate doctors and counselors provide personalized services to help patients live their best lives. If you or a loved one need help, call the Sage Grove Center today at 1-800-122-8585. A proud subsidiary of Global Wellness Services, trademark, which is a proud subsidiary subsidiary of Vought International, trademark. I just copy-pasted that. I didn't read it before. Uh, Wow. That's um, a gold face lion. (laughs) They're Ooh. proud, proud yeah. subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. Ooh, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll unpack some of that in a minute. And um, mm-hmm. so this episode was directed by Sarah Boyd, who's a filmmaker, editor, producer, actor. She was a child actor, which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. Um, and while this is her first episode of The Boys that she directed, it won't be the last. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will see her name again. And you can see from this episode, I think, why they brought her back. Because... <laughs> Um, not only is this episode bananas, uh, mm-hmm. it it made Variety's top six list of 2021 Emmy predictions for outstanding directing for a drama series. Um, I don't think she was actually nominated in the end, but it got attention, I think. And this is like a top rated episode, it seems like. People love this episode. So I think she killed it. Yeah. And uh, before she was a director, Boyd was nominated for two Emmys and an Ace Eddie for editing the hit television show Lost. Uh, yeah, so it's safe to say she understands how to build pace and structure a complicated, nuanced episode of television. <laughs> Man, and this is a really great episode. Like, it is firing on all cylinders. It's got action. Yeah. It's got a really deep, intimate storyline. It's got flashbacks. It's got, like everything you know and that's what I was impressed by was just like that's a lot to juggle and there's a lot of like really serious moments but then just the way these little bits of humor kind of keep it from feeling like depressingly heavy at Mm -hmm. some moments and just the way they're put in there and just kind of yeah navigating all these things happening and all of these like really kind of special moments between like lots of pairs right that we have lots Mm -hmm. of bonding moments between lots of characters and it never felt like it was like slaggy or like okay come on let's go like it was just one thing after another and it just kind of flew by even though it's you know still a long episode so yeah yeah, she, she did a good job Totally. And we get resolution on a, like a plot line that they've been teasing since like episode three. I know. And, but it doesn't feel so heavy. Like I feel like if you just dropped into this, you could figure out what's going on, you know. But if like, well, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because, <laughs> you know, it's one of the major things. We'll get there in in a bit. But before we do, let's talk about um, where our soups have been in a category we call Sup with the Soups. And this is where we recap what's happening and meet our fearless heroes and soups where they are. So shooting has begun on Dawn of the Seven. Dun, 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 dun. Maeve slowly dies inside as Homelander produces a coming out scene for her. They have a whole marketing strategy to capitalize on her sexuality, which she did not come out by choice on. And Mm -hmm. Elena, her uh, girlfriend, I guess for now, is not thrilled. Now that saving slash avenging Becca is no longer his goal, Butcher tries to leave the boys, but Huey won't have it. He and M.M. track him down to his pot-dealing aunt's house, not granny, but pot-dealing granny just rolls off the tongue, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I believe it's his aunt where he is stashing his beloved dog terror 
and where they have a tense standoff with Black Noir. Also, the Deep is married. A-Train is fired. <laughs> and K- Kamiko is contract killing for Sherry, which is uh, Frenchie's uh, lady. And this sometimes involves her awesomely ripping people's faces off. Amazing. I know. It's so cool. Congresswom- Congresswoman Newman leads a rally against Homelander, who's been caught killing a civilian. He tries to engage the crowd, but it backfires, so he turns to Stormfront. And by turns to, I mean he lasers her tits, and they have hot flying soup sex. <laughs> and I just dream on indeed. Because <laughs> mm. it's cl- quite the cliffhanger, you know? Yes. Woo! All right. That was a lot, and we're about to get into even more. Let's start with Homelander and Stormfront. That feels like okay. a, a, a way to ease ourselves into this. Um, also, it's what I have first on the outline, so <laughs> <laughs> it just works out. All right. So Homelander, this is one of my favorite intros of all time. Um, maybe not just this show, but so yeah, they're they're stopping crime together. They're, oh, my gosh. Uh, Hooking up in the alley. Tell me your thoughts on this uh, sweet romantic scene. Wild. I was, I laughed so hard. (laughs) Like, I couldn't imagine, like, I just didn't think that's what was going to happen. And they're kind of like, they're just, yes, they're both like supervillains in their own right. But then Mm -hmm. you combine them and it's like, oh, now they're like a supervillain couple, you know, like Mm -hmm. Natasha and like Boris or like... (laughs) You know, those TV shows where it's like couples that kill mm-hmm. night on Dateline. And it's like, oh, they're like one of these couples where it's like, not only are they both like terrible people, but they're like getting off on like sharing that mm-hmm. and like, oof. And yeah, just killing people and then having alley sex right next to their exploded body. Like, oh, just these two are just the worst in such a next level way (laughs) i know and it is amazing to watch Mm -hmm. like they're like smearing his blood on their face as they kiss i'm like oh my gosh it's just incredible but and let's maybe just talk about them in pairs like as i was taking my notes i feel like this episode really works if we pair up some of these people too yeah um so they're not only having a relationship but homelander is uh Having to deal with love in a way, I say love, quote unquote, in a way I don't think he's ever had to deal with this before. And Mm -mm. I mean, he does not like rejection. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I wrote in my notes. I was like, Homelander is in love. (laughs) (laughs) But also like an absolute nightmare boyfriend because, Mm -hmm. yeah, we see him you know, buy flowers for Stormfront with very cheesy, like, thanks for a great day. Mm -hmm. Like, just this really kind of, you know, classic boyfriend behavior, I guess. It's just funny when you think about, like, giving Stormfront, like, a dozen roses. (laughs) Like, is that something she wants? Or, like, him doing that, you know? Yeah. hey, here you go. (laughs) Yeah. It's very kind of strange to imagine him, like, oh, he's, like, actually smitten with her, I think. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, I think he's realizing that he doesn't have kind of the upper hand Mm -hmm. um, when all of a sudden she, you know, goes off to do her thing and kind of lies to him about where she's at. And he catches her in that lie. And he does not take that well because he likes to be top dog. And with Stormfront, it's not really that way. No. So. Yeah. He destroys his fucking trailer, (laughs) which and it's so funny, like. 
because they're so awful. They are, they just, like, like we said, fucked on top of a guy, essentially on top of a guy they just killed because they got too excited with their hand stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are not good people, but it's so interesting to see him like navigate this relationship because in a parallel world where he was not terrible, like this would be a good learning experience for him. You know, like this is, I feel like would knock him down a couple of pegs. This would be, you know, we all have to date that person that is playing around with us a little bit. And that's how you kind of learn to guard your heart a little bit. You learn Mm -hmm. to, you know, not get so emotionally involved and, uh, or at least not too soon. And, and you just learn how to handle it when you get rejected or you get hurt. And it's just so interesting to see people on this level of power dealing with that, you know, like parts of this could be like a teen rom-com, you know, it's just all the killing, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I did love the moment later where they are like back in Stormfront's apartment and Mm. you can see like all the repairs that are being Like, you know, like the scaffolding. It's like, oh, yeah, because they like completely destroyed her apartment last time they were in here. So it's like, oh, well, got to fix all that up. I did not even <laughs> notice that. That's hilarious. How often do you think they would have to do that? And it, at some point, again, if they were not terrible, like, would they just build them like a fuck room that's like indestructible? Yeah. Or something? Well, that's why they had to go to the, that's why they have to do it in an alley, I guess, because <laughs> it's like okay, this is not going to work inside Vought Tower. Like, we're mm. going to destroy this place. So we got to take it somewhere else. <laughs> could you imagine if somebody caught that on security camera, though? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, they could sell that to TMZ, like, so mm-hmm. fast. They're so reckless, too. Like, just out in public. They're like that new couple that, that just drives you nuts when it's your friend and you just hear about it all the time or they like all over each other. I dated a guy who was like super handsy in public and I was like, I get it. You want everyone to know that you have a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's okay. Know, I want that. But, yeah. I also like it was, well, you see like Butcher watching like an interview with them, right? And you uh-huh. could tell he was like, oh, they're hooking up or whatever. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of it's like, oh, people are going to find out and they're not hiding it very well, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Even Butcher could be like, mm-hmm, yep, there's something going on there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and given like I, and I'm not saying this is reality, but from Homelander's perspective, like after Maeve has just come out as being bisexual or well, I guess she's coming out he's saying she's a lesbian, like yeah. this could be a little bit of a boost to his ego, you know, and mm-hmm. again, not saying it should be, but it is. And but he's not like super publicly embracing it too. It's almost like she's the one that's like very familiar. Now Homelander is very hot, so I that's can't true. Blame her. <laughs> I am still like, even after this episode, it's like okay. I think she does really like him in some mm-hmm. ways, but I don't think she's necessarily being uh fully upfront with her with her motives you know it's like yeah is it the truth that she's telling him about her past or is it really just like is she just trying to like stroke his ego a little bit because she's sensing that he's you know like she's just doing it to appease him yes Uh (laughs) yeah yeah well okay and so let's talk about the end because we're finding a little more out about stormfront also, did you catch the King's Dominion in there? She was born in 1919, oh. Berlin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, man, that podcast has just destroyed my brain for numbers. <laughs> I blame Mac personally. <laughs> but like, I can't believe like 
I was like, okay, so she's not like just racist. Like she is like actually a Nazi. <laughs> like yeah, actually. and like up in the high echelons of the mm-hmm. like she's hanging out, probably hooking up with a lot of like the people in the history books that we have learned yeah. about. Like, yeah. oh, it's and I mean, given what Vought is and what they have done, it's not super surprising. Like, did you see uh, Overlord? Oh yeah. Yeah, which like is really. such a great movie. We should cover that at some point. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, but it's like that. It's like they are experimenting on human beings to make yeah. a perfect race of humans. And so uh-huh. it's just interesting to see that dovetail so well with Nazis without it feeling like, like, how surprised were you when they started talking about Nazi stuff? I mean, like when Edgar kind of like dropped that info, I think the last time we kind of heard about it, it was Oh, like, when he was talking about Oppenheimer? yeah like just like when he was kind of just saying like oh the history of Vought like do you know about you know like and it was like oh that kind of makes sense like I can now and like you look at Homelander right and it's like oh that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. um and now it's just like next level yeah and yeah when she starts talking about how like we'd always dreamed of you and like I knew when I saw you like you were like you're the pinnacle of everything we ever dreamed of and it's like oh god this is this is terrifying and like if Mm -hmm. anybody talked that way to like an average reasonable person of course you would be like horrified yeah but yet Homelander is so into it mm-hmm. like oh well and i think there's probably a part of him that has always felt like so different and so yeah. isolated and alone and we've talked a lot about that like with ryan and and mave also and so she's like really feeding this piece of himself that needs to feel like he is on purpose and that he is good aside from just him telling himself that all the time or like making them put a flag on his back you know yeah I think it's and I think it's a little bit of both I think she honestly believes this and I think she knows how to feed him you know she knows Mm -hmm. how to to push him in the direction she wants him to go because she is very smart and she's been around for a while yeah she's been around yeah she was I mean she was Vought's wife yeah that's crazy so she's not only like been a superhero for a really long time and like you know member of the nazi party but like Mm -hmm. intimately involved with Vought from inception to where they are now and like it's it's like i don't know where she's been this last little bit right (laughs) these last however many years but odds are i'm and you know maybe we'll find out more about this as we go on but clearly she's probably been involved in the background even if it's not at you know sage grove or something she's been involved in some way mm-hmm. and kind of helped shape where vaught has been going and so that's why it's like a little hard to believe that her motivations with homelander are at least in the relationship level are authentic 100 mm-hmm. percent um just because it's like well are you just saying this because you want him to lead you know yeah. this next wave of Vought doesn't lead this wave of Superman, or does she actually interested in him? I don't know. Um, maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, but- and it's interesting. Like, and I think it's such smart writing too to show how closely Vought kind of runs along a lot of what we see in the real world, and how closely that runs to Nazi stuff you know and Mm -hmm. how and without like directly pointing at it you know and there are some blatant 
references and there are going to be some very blatant references coming up. But I love that. um, I feel like it, it says without saying, you know, and one of the things I think is interesting about Stormfront is, and especially this speech, because this whole episode, she has been top dog, you know, like yeah. we said with the relationship and she's been pulling the strings and here she starts deferring to him. And I think, you know, I think part of it is like the pandering that we were talking about, but also I think that's part of what patriarchy is, you know, and mm. especially this like really rigid hierarchy is like she... I don't think she actually does believe that she could be the most powerful because she's not a man, you know? And so she can get, she's as close to the top of the ladder as I think she believes she can ever get. And, but then she's got to like just bow to this blonde haired, blue eyed man, you know, who has powers that are, I I don't know, maybe equal to her. I wonder if they actually fought each other who would win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because, I mean, he clearly can laser her without uh, it causing problems and, you know. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting also to, she's talking about a race of supermen and Mm -hmm. Homelander is our Superman stand-in. And I'm not saying that about, uh, I would never say that about Christopher Reeve, but, or the Superman that we know. But it is interesting to think about that. And like, I don't know if you ever read Nietzsche or anything, but it's always like, oh, Superman, Superman, you know. But I, but I think there's something there because you even if you look at like Christopher Reeve's Superman, it's kind of like this idealized version of just somebody who, I mean, you know, we talked about in the episode where he's just like very pure and authentically wants to get out there and is just, you know, smart and strong, but kind. And it's kind of like all these ideal traits, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, that's one interpretation, but what if? you know somebody like stormfront what is her ideal interpretation or like ideal stand-in for like a perfect man well Mm -hmm. it's a little bit different so it's you know everything's subjective and that can be a very good thing like christopher reeve superman or you get a nazi homelander and so exactly yeah it's just kind of like such an interesting spin on that that's also legitimately terrifying (laughs) yeah well and it's like not to bring up oppenheimer again but like it's like the bomb in the hands of a person with morals is a tool the bomb in the hands of somebody like hitler is a weapon that could destroy the world and i think if we look at a superhuman body as a weapon like that body with somebody who has the upbringing of christopher reeve not Mm -hmm. christopher but that superman clark kent Yeah. is completely different than somebody who's been brought up like like Homelander and you know so it's just it is terrifying um and also awesome because we know it's not real but yeah, <laughs> but I think it is a really interesting way to make that point in a way that I think the masses will get more than a lecture you know what I mean totally mm-hmm. like the people who aren't gonna read Nietzsche I say I haven't read Nietzsche either so you know I can't say anything. It's probably Nietzsche. Um, well, know. you mentioned the Sage Grove Center. Let's talk about Cindy. There are a couple of people here that I wa- I had them on the Spice Girls list and the Bad Boys list, and I kind of waffled back and forth. So Cindy is one of it. And we're going to talk about, actually, maybe we can do it now. Maybe we can yeah. talk about the Sage Grove Center now. I have this in shock and awe, but we can, we can bump it up. Um, cause it is shopping and awesome. 
Yes. So we find out what the Sage Grove Center is. It is a research facility where they are test. It's essentially, we're watching Stranger Things again with my kids. So I was like, oh, it's like 11. It's like Stranger Things. They're like taking That was my exact kids. thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're trying to like give them powers. And we find from a person we're going to talk about soon because he's so hot that they're trying to stabilize it. And these people who are like coming to them for help with like mental illness, mm-hmm. they're just pumping them full of drugs and then killing them when they, when they can't or when they ask to see their families it's just awful yeah so cindy so, yeah. is one of these people yeah basically trying to like be able to put it in adults versus infants because i guess infants are able to you know i don't know they handle it better yeah <laughs> whereas mm-hmm. adults seem to have it seems to be a mixed bag whether or not it <laughs> works or you just get something or they explode i think they right <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah it's like not only is that kind of terrible that they're doing this to these people without their consent but it's like they're preying on these people who are struggling with some way and i guess using that as a way where it's like well if they disappear people will just assume you know oh they they ran off yeah committed suicide like they were already struggling with it like their disappearance isn't necessarily handled the same way as it would have been just like an average person off you know that's at work all the time and then their families and everything's great and happy and copacetic right so that's yeah. just it's just awful that they're doing that and then the second like we see this guy that's like no i'm done with this like i want to talk to my family and then they just kill him <laughs> right yeah and you, it just makes you wonder how many more there have been like this you know because i mean they're they're if they're close to a breakthrough they've been doing this for years i bet you're right i bet this is where where stormfront has been spending a lot of time and she's just kind of rebranded herself now you know yeah because she seems to have a lot of power at this facility um but we see man and the other thing i was thinking was cabin in the woods that's exactly um, i did too great minds think alike um because it's just it's so much fun like we see all of these powers and it's like like taking all of your superhero toys and just like throwing them at each other you know well, it's um, so funny because it's like everybody reacts to the V in a different way, right? So you get some people like Cindy who seem to like, it's, it appears at least at this point in time, I don't know if we'll see more of her, but that she is a success story. Like mm-hmm. she has processed this and yes, very Eleven-like with even yes. like the hair and everything, but is able to just make people explode and seems bulletproof and can heal and that kind of stuff. So it seems to have worked for her. And then other people just, you know, get um, just crazy strong, <laughs> you know, genitals. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to, I mean, I guess you can wrap it around somebody's neck, but like, or spoiler, we're going to see it um, <laughs> in action, <laughs> in action. Yeah. Down the road. Um sorry listeners can't see the hands gestures I just made maybe that's for the best um but it's just interesting yeah and like I wonder if like I got compound v like what my power would be you know or like I don't know I would have a superhuman ability to think everybody's mad at me maybe (laughs) but it's like um I don't know. There's some connection I'm trying to make. It's like on the tip of my tongue and it's like, it's almost like ironic, you know, it's Mm, like mm -hmm. you develop the power that is like either your best quality or your worst quality, depending like if you're a good guy or a bad guy, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's also just fun to see. And we see the vomiter too, which is, I think he's in the comics, but 
Mm. Yeah, just all these different kind of skills and all these weird things. Yeah, it was immediately giving me Cabin in the Woods in like the yes. best way. Just just chaos and all these different superheroes, I guess is what you want to call them. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about the man of the hour. Um, mm. I cannot tell. I, I wrote all caps in my notes, Lamplighter, because I'm so excited not because i care that much about lamplighter but because i love sean ashmore oh he's so dreamy and he has aged very well he has and i was shocked i like did not see this coming i did not think that's who this would be um yeah so that caught me completely off guard and i was just like oh my god it is him and that was really super exciting because we actually get kind of they've been hinting at this incident with Lamplighter mm-hmm. and we finally I feel like get some like actual resolution and some actual kind of closure and information about what happened and why it happened and who he is and like just all sorts of stuff so I loved that but I mean it seems like he's kind of been living kind of a sad existence since whenever he disappeared after his incident with Mallory like he's just at this facility like what does he say like disposing of the evidence yeah Ooh. It's very like Gecko, you know, it's like he's got these powers and yes, he's working for Vought, but it's in this awful way, you know? Yeah. And I had him on the bad girls list or the bad boys list for the entire episode until the end. And I kind of, we kind of have to talk about Frenchie too. So maybe let's yeah. move over to the Spice Girls list or maybe the bridge between, um, yeah. because there's a lot of nuance with this story. Um, and so we do find out more about what happened with Lamplighter. And I can't remember what we knew and what we didn't because I've known it since we started. But I believe we knew that he killed her Grace yes. Mallory's grandchildren. Yes. But we didn't. And we knew that Frenchie somehow felt responsible for it because he was supposed to be tailing. Um, and so holding on to what ha- why Frenchie was not there, we also now learn that he didn't mean to kill them. He meant to kill Grace, which mm-hmm. is not good. Like, I'm not saying that's good, but it's also not killing innocent children. And I think that, like, these screams and this watching them burn alive, I think, like you said, has really been haunting him, which I can't imagine what that would be like to live with. Also, you know, he probably didn't want to do it. It was probably either Homelander told him to do it or like, I don't know, he, he, oh, he wanted to avoid getting in trouble or getting kicked out of the seven. So it's like an A-train kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Him talking about like, I didn't mean to, like, I didn't know they were kids. It's kind of like, well, if he had known, he probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. It's kind of what it sounds like and it mm-hmm. kind of what it appears <laughs> on his face. Like he does have a line somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's been killing people at this facility for who knows how long. So that line is, you know, not necessarily, like, set in stone. It's kind of yeah. in the sand. But, like, there's a line with him and that he he didn't mean to do that. Like, that was a step too far. Like, killing her, that's one thing. But yeah. he could he could justify that in some way, but not these, these innocent kids. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting when he kind of called out Frenchie and was yeah kind of put it back on him and, like, if you were there, I have always wondered why didn't you stop me? And that was kind of, I think, maybe something that nobody, I'm not sure that anybody had asked Frenchie mm-hmm. yet. And that was like a really kind of sad thing and 
and maybe something that has been like held over his head and makes sense to his guilt. And then, yeah, finally told everybody about it. Yeah. Well, and to hear Lamplighter say that, too, because like they're talking to him and it's like, oh, you just like watching people burn. I think they expect him to be like Homelander and just kind of like like skipping along the evil little path. And I do it again. I liked their screams. Yeah, And in a way that would be easier because then they could just say, oh, no, he's he's terrible instead of like this. This was just a tragic thing that happened and if I were lamplighter I could see myself saying well I've already done the worst thing I could possibly do what's what I'm already going to hell what else is there I might as well stay in the safety of Vought also where am I going to go you know yeah Um, so yeah well and so let's talk about Frenchie because we we get to know a lot about him. This is a mm-hmm. this is a Frenchie episode, everybody, mm-hmm. which is always good. Which uh, specifically that he loves the Golden Girls, which I just if I didn't already love him, I, I know, know, right? It was like, oh, they just start off with this, and like immediately, yes. it was just like, wow, okay, yes, you're the mm. best. <laughs> yes, I know, and also like talking. It's not that he just likes it because it was like a fun thing. Like I, you know, he's got these these really strong memories. I remember watching Golden Girls at like two or three in the morning when I was drinking a lot and I would come home and the bars were closed and I was, you know, um, and he's just talking about chosen family, which I think is something we've talked about before. Um, but it's just interesting to hear him say it, you know? Um, and, uh, and then we also see him get turned and, um, this is, it's a similar scene that we've seen with Huey and Mm -hmm. with Butcher. And it's just really interesting to see it happened with him i'm curious about mm i want to see when that moment came you know although mm we know his grandfather was working um in this area um but yeah so why didn't he stop lamplighter it's because his friend od'd and yeah and uh and it's just so awful to see him have to choose between these two things and I mean it's like that hindsight is 2020 thing and that's something you talk about a lot in recovery it's like well if you knew how bad it was going to get you would have made the other choice you know if he, if he knew Lamplighter was going to burn her grandkids he would have stayed on Lamplighter you know and oh, he would yeah. have told her call the police you know but and you it, don't no and you and even M.M., like, once he tells him the story, like, explains, like, I just left for half an hour and then I yeah. came back and he was gone. Like, how was I supposed to know? You know, and M.M.'s like, dude, you could have told us. Like, we would have understood. Like, this whole time we would have understood. But mm-hmm. but Frenchie didn't want to. Yeah. That, you I know, didn't want to get let off the hook. Just, oh, it's like a yeah. knife in your heart, you know. Just like that that kind of that, that self-flagellation, that, that punishment, mm-hmm. like because I did this, this other thing happened. Like I made that choice. And I mean, it was an awful choice to have to make. Like this was, he said it was his best friend. And then like, Mm -hmm. sadly, like a few months later, his friend OD'd and died anyway. So, you know, I think that probably just even made it worse because then it was like, oh, I just, you know, I I made the wrong choice, which he didn't. Like there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't a right choice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was a no win scenario but like I can understand that like he's punishing himself and it makes sense but it was just so sweet to see and even Lamplighter be like oh okay now you weren't there that's why you didn't stop me like I thought you were you were following me this whole time I thought you were there and like now it all makes sense you know what I just put that together I 
didn't realize Lamplighter didn't know he wasn't there. So when Lamplighter is like, why didn't you stop me? Lamplighter is assuming that he was just watching it happen too. Yeah. Or Ooh. even maybe that like Frenchie would have been able to save Mallory. Like, yeah. you know, maybe she's on fire, but Frenchie would like jump in and like, mm-hmm. or who knows? But like, but he wasn't there. But Lamplighter yeah. was just like, you've been following me around all this time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're not like. He showed up expecting a fight and it mm-hmm. was just no one was there yeah that's oh I didn't think about that well and another thing I caught on rewatch too is that he says and I never saw him again like and you get the sense he doesn't say this right out but you get the sense that um they didn't forgive him for that you know and we know that he is friend he's still uh, with Cherie so obviously Mm -hmm. they've made up but that like that decision to go back cost him his friendship right there too you know and that's also after we see him like he wasn't going to work with grace but it was because they were going to go to jail that he decided to do this and so it's just like it shows you how he's trying to save everyone and he and it's just that two people happen to need him at the exact same time and Mm -hmm. there's there like like you said there's no right choice you know and i don't think you could tell them it's, right, I got yeah. I got the impression that like what he was doing with Mallory and Butcher and all them was kind of like a secret mission sort mm-hmm. of thing. So they didn't know. So yeah. in their eyes, they're just like, you're leaving us at this like devastatingly critical moment. Like what could possibly more, be more important? And he can't mm-hmm. tell them. So in their mind, like, oh, he made that choice. Like, fuck this guy. Like he doesn't right. actually care about us. But, you know, little do they know, like kind of the situation. But that's kind of something that, you know, they're not wrong either. They're only working off what they know and it seems like Frenchie's just like got something else going on which he does but in their mind it's like you know what could be more important your friend OD like your best friend and your you know partner but yeah your thruple maybe yeah yeah that's what what kind of seemed like yeah which it was completely fine if they're seems like they're all happy but and that's what Butcher and MM have been saying too for years how could you leave her like that you had one job and the absolute worst thing happened and it just it breaks your heart and then um i think you know once kamiko realizes that i want to talk about her in a minute too but like mm-hmm. i think she understands him a little bit more and him saying like i wanted to save you because i wanted to to make it up to you. i wanted to atone you know yeah. and i love that he realizes like you didn't ask me to save you and that's i think somebody as strong as kamiko i think that's why she's been so distant to him, you know? Also, yeah. she's dealing with a lot of trauma. <laughs> yeah, but I think she, I think that, I mean, I love that in this episode. We get all these little, like, bonding moments of, like, mm-hmm. really honesty in a lot of different ways. You know, Stormfront and Homelander, like, there's some honesty there. Like, there's a way that works for them. But here, it's, like, a lot of honesty and bonding in a totally different way, where it's, like, finally, they're kind of opening up to each other in other ways. And, yeah, Kamiko kind of, it's like, okay, this makes sense. And yeah. like, I can also see that you're hurting. Mm-hmm. And I think that was maybe something she hadn't really thought about before. Because, yeah. because he, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't tell anybody. And he's got this really like, you know, kind of fun attitude about things. And he's so sweet. And, you know, he's cooking and talking about the Golden Girls, like, of course, but there is a lot of other things going on. And so I think she finally kind of realized that and is going to have, you know, give him a little bit more you know, no pun intended, a little bit more grace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like he's kind of had this reputation of being like a fuck up or the one that's not reliable. And for them, I think them all to find out why, where he actually was and that like he, 
is one of the most dependable of them all. I don't know if there's really a weak link on the team, but um, that moment when she kind of starts to look at him again, I wrote, I don't know if you watched My So-Called Life. Um, but I've seen rem- some, yeah, it's been a while, but. <laughs> oh God, it's like my favorite show ever. Um, but it reminds me of the episode, this is so stupid, where Jordan tells everyone at school that he and Angela slept together when they didn't. <laughs> and Angela gets mad. And then his solution is, I'm just going to tell everybody that I don't like you at all. I'm not interested in you at all. And I think you're gross and I'm extrapolating, but like, that doesn't solve the problem. And I think we yeah. see Kimiko, like, he's like, okay, I'm going to leave you alone now. And she's like, no, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. But she can't say it yet. Oh. I know. She's not quite there. But I think I think this episode has, you know, softened her a little bit. Like, she, she definitely still has some, I guess, like, PTSD, basically, or mm-hmm. some anxiety around Stormfront. We see, you know, when she hears Stormfront's voice like she's actually triggered by that Mm -hmm. and but I think we see her kind of start to soften and accept that and not sort of disguise it in anger which I think is what she's she's been doing with and Mm -hmm. you know earning her money getting that bossy ring which oh my god (laughs) so funny He's like, really? That's what you're going to do? And she's like, yeah, fuck you. This is what I want to do with my money. Exactly. Uh, and then she like punches it into somebody's face. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that it's the bossy moment and the other moment with Starlight that made me just love Kamiko so much in this episode because like when Starlight comes in, maybe we can move into Starlight now, sure. but when she goes down into their horror show that is an apartment or a layer I guess um you know you can't tell how she's going to react to Starlight and her just to give her a hug it's so sweet and it's so opposite what she gets from everybody else like I think MM softened on her a lot but they still Mm -hmm. react and they're like no 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 she's going to get us killed but Kamiko just gives her a big hug. That's so yeah, well, it's like, you know, she's another woman. She's another soup. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she uh. is going to be able to understand things in ways that nobody else in that room can. You know, like, mm-hmm. Kamiko's been kind of this, oh, she's the soup, you know, and like, kind of not used in some ways, but she's kind of like a, I mean, like their secret weapon, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's got to feel really good for Kamiko to be like, okay, there's somebody else to kind of like be here and understand and sort of take a little bit off this pressure of, you know, or this pressure off me of mm-hmm. having to be like, you know, their go-to, you know, personal soup that they can bust out when needed. And just having yeah. her there, I think is very comforting. And also like, just kind of making Kamiko probably feel like, okay, I'm with the right people. Like I've got somebody coming in who's another soup, who's a member of the seven, who's also here doing this work like all right I'm 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 in a good place these are good people and also I think you know Annie saved her life too like she would probably still be in Vought Tower if maybe dead if Mm -hmm. Annie hadn't like taken that gigantic risk of going down and trying to help them get out and I think Yeah. And it's, it's, I think, nice for Annie to have that moment because, man, Butcher, Butcher does not like that at all. And we hear, or Butcher does not like her. And I almost uh, brought him up and kind of transitioned us in when we were talking about Homelander, um, just like any soup 
in his eyes, is a bad soup. The only soup is a dead soup. And I think there's an argument to be made there, like when we're talking about a superhuman body in the hands of a bad person is a, a dangerous weapon and it's like a gun. Like the only way to distinguish a good guy with a gun from a bad guy with a gun is the bad guy with a gun shoots you, you know, and then it's too late. And so I think there he's got... He's not 100% wrong for not trusting anybody with that much power. Although I do think Annie, like Kamiko, has proved herself enough that she's not a mole. She's not um, She's not trying to screw them over. Like, she's putting herself in a lot of danger. Um, and I think Butcher... But also, like, Butcher, I think, has been kind of throwing Kamiko to the wolves before. Uh-huh. Like, And now he's got Annie. So it does take the pressure off Kamiko a little bit. What do you yeah. think of her chip coming out? Oh, that made my skin cry, which is so funny because, like, I've seen way worse in this show. Just in In this episode. (laughs) Yeah, in this episode, in general, I've seen a lot of disgusting shit. But for some reason, just, like, the way it was executed and, like, the tension on her skin and the way it kind of, like, pops. Like, it's so so gross to me. And she's just, like, making the squelchy face like she's getting scraped or something. And I'm like... That's like Ugh. a buzzsaw. Go, yeah, I'm like, she has superhuman skin. It's okay. She'll be all yeah. right. But yeah, Ugh. I did. It was like so simple and just little, but it creeped me out. Oh, yeah. Well, and since we're talking about <laughs> Annie, let's talk about first, there's not a whole lot to say about Huey, but I love having a male damsel in distress for this episode because <laughs> um, he doesn't really do very much except mm-hmm. um, need to be saved. But let's talk about. Butcher slash Annie slash Huey talking, yeah. <laughs> speaking of a, a power thruple yeah. um, <laughs> or a um, angst triangle, maybe, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I think and I love them. The like Frenchie clearly knows, like, can't you two see that you're in love with each other? But just their yeah. reaction. Of yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it so reminded funny. me of that episode of Seinfeld when like Elaine and George go to a movie together uh-huh. like, without Jerry <laughs> and they're like sitting there and. Like, it's super awkward until they start, like, making fun of Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. It's just like that. Yeah. And then it kind of felt like it's like, oh, yeah, let's because they they have some moments earlier, but it's a little bit more tense. But like, really, it's like when they start making fun of Huey, that's when they're like, you're all right, kid. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's both wanting realizing how much the other one wants to save Huey that kind of lays the groundwork for that, Mm -hmm. you know. And I was struck by like butcher just abandons the whole mission and abandons everybody to save huey and i think in another episode i might have been mad about that because that's what he was always trying to do with becca and now it's like huey is is the one he's willing to give everything up for and starlight is too and whether or not like butcher even knows it i think in some ways that just shows that like he has trust in his team like he has trust in and butcher or butcher and mm and frenchie like okay, we got to go, but you're going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Like he is able to kind of communicate with them a little bit, I think, and is like, all right, you're you're good. Like we're going. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They'll be fine. They don't need me. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about Starlight killing, killing the driver. And I mean, she doesn't want to. Yeah. But and she probably I imagine she probably kills the sound wave guy, too. Um, although that no 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 that's butcher butcher shoots him sorry yeah um, 
But this is, uh, tell me how you feel about this scene with this driver that pulls up. Um, I mean, it's kind of sad in some ways because, I mean, even Stormlight says, like, at another time, I probably would have been, like, really sad about that. Mm -hmm. But now she's kind of, like, jaded a little bit and looking yeah. at it differently. And, like, but she's, I think in some ways, like, she's okay with that and knows that, like, that's what I had to do and I'd probably do it again. Yeah. And, but I think Butcher also, real like, kind of is able to acknowledge that a little bit or kind of respect that, that she's willing to say that. Mm -hmm. It was like, all right, like she's not maybe quite as like sweet and wholesome and innocent as maybe he thought she was. And like, oh, she's not capable. Like she's not tough enough. Like she doesn't understand. And mm -hmm. that was kind of her way of proving like, yeah, I am. And I'm willing to do these things. Yeah. To, to like protect you guys. Like I'm willing to do that. Yeah. It's not easy. But I'm going to do it. Don't want to do it, but I will. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to like it, but I'm also going to do it, you know, because I know that there is a larger mission at hand. And I think that is something that also kind of shows Butcher that she is on their team, you know, because yeah. if she was squeamish about that, then does she really care, you know? And I think about someone like Maeve, because I do think that she has been jaded and like i think about what she did to gecko too and now this is yeah. gecko's still alive that we know of mm -hmm. um but i think it's like this is how you start down the road to becoming where mave is and i think you have to be careful and still keep some kind of human contact to keep yourself from going full mave and i i'd say that with love like i completely understand why she is as jaded as she is. And I think that's, you know, talking about that moment between Kamiko and Annie. It's like you finally have somebody who will understand. And I think for so long, Maeve just had nobody. And the only person she could talk to was Homelander or Madeline, yeah. you know. Also, I don't know if I just missed it somewhere along the line, but I didn't realize Starlight's power was like dependent on having power around her. Yeah. So it's like she just kind of sucks it up. But if there's nothing there... She doesn't have that. I mean, I assume she's still like super healing kind of thing, mm. you know, but like she doesn't have that actual starlight power, which I thought was interesting. I was like, I oh, think I, so didn't, too. I didn't realize that. But So I wrote a thing a while ago um, for Slash Film about starlight's powers mm. um, or something or like the suit powers that make no sense. And it was, you know, um, OK, so Lamplighter cannot create fire. So he carries around a Bic. Why does she not carry around like a pin light or something that mm -hmm. has a battery or like a Walkman or something? Like you'd think does she not, that, or her, does her cell phone? I guess it's just maybe not enough or like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or I guess maybe the sound wave like knocked everything out. But like, I don't know, girl, you got to. Yeah, yeah. figure something get, out. Get old school. Something that's not like digital. That yeah. Mean, like, like, a, like a wind up like. Yeah. I don't know why I'm picturing like a pull lawnmower. <laughs> that that would not be practical. <laughs> Just pull this lawnmower around. <laughs> yeah. Also not electrical, I think, also. <laughs> if it's yeah. like a ripcord. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about Maeve. Um I mean, I was waiting for the Brave Maeve Pride Bar to show oh up. Oh my gosh! It's just, just so awful, but believable. Mm -hmm. I know, like, of course that's what they're gonna do, you know. Oh, um, but yeah. So Maeve has been working with Deep, and I don't worry, gentle <laughs> listeners. I did not forget Deep. We're gonna circle back to our bad boys because we got to talk about him. Um. 
But so he has gotten the cell phone video from uh, the plane crash. So that was another thing. I was wondering uh, how you felt about that plot line circling back around. I'm shocked that they were able, but you know, Deep has his, his friends are able to dive down there and was able to salvage it. So, you know, see the Deep does come in handy sometimes. Um, yes. I'm like a little concerned about Maeve. <laughs> she says, you know, like that's her ticket to getting Homelander to leave her and Elena alone. But it's kind of like, is she still going to be in the seven? It just, it just doesn't seem like a very good um, workplace move. Seems mm-hmm. like it's going to make her her day to day more difficult. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's interesting because yeah, Elena finds it, and you know, Maeve is explaining to her like, "This is what I'm going to do with it," but I don't think that's what Elena is horrified at. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting. That's kind of what I want to talk about with Maeve. And I was thinking, like, is she a victim or a villain in this situation? Because I feel like we know enough context about her to know, like, she never would have left those people. She tried everything she could mm-hmm. to. I was like, well, what could she have done? And what she could have done was gone to the media right away. And I wonder if that's what Elena is saying. Although with no proof, like, it's her word versus Homelander and you know so well, yeah it's it's. i mean it's tell like i'm sure she knows that like mave has done some terrible things and like yes of course she knows like mave has had to kill people like she's a superhero but to see kind of this person that she thinks she knows involved in something like so sad and dark and like mm-hmm. yeah she didn't have a lot of options but like this is something that mave's been carrying with her like oh you've just been like living with this for how long and like you're you're going to use this as like a a card. You're going to play that card, but like the world's still not going to know about this. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to use it to benefit us in our situation, but like bigger picture, nobody's going to know about it. And so it's kind of like, you know, that diagram with the train sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And it's like, do you save this one person or these four? And it's not like you can save these people, but she could tell the truth Mm -hmm. and kind of, I don't know, some sort of closure or, let the families know in some way not like it's a good thing to know but kind of hold them accountable and so it's not an easy choice but it's an interesting choice that Maeve is making and I'm not necessarily sure how I feel about it yeah it's really complicated and I think like on a I don't know if, if small is quite the right word but like this man who's giving like this final message to his family like they're never gonna see that you know and and she has, well, Homelander has, like, stolen that, like, closure for them and the truth that they will never know. And also, like, how long can you reasonably sus- expect to hold that blackmail? But also, like, I think about, like, a, a lobster in a pot, you know, like, if this comes out, what else is going to come out? What else has Maeve been a part of, mm-hmm. you know? And what? And there's no way I don't, I feel like, for her to come out of this looking okay and i think she's maybe at a point like i don't know if she plans to stay in the seven like maybe she's at a point where she could just leave you know although i don't know if that's realistic for her either but it's just one of those things it's like there is there's no right choice here you know 
Yeah. And it's, it feels like she's pulling at straws, but it feels mm-hmm. like it's like, oof, this might not be the way because ultimately, I mean, clearly Homelander is capable and Vought in general is capable of some really awful things. Mm-hmm. So what's going to save them from being like, or option C, we just kill you and yeah. Elena and exactly. we just write it off and we just like stage it and we say this happened and then nobody knows and we don't have to worry about you. Yeah. And or... If Homelander's like, all right, fine, I'll leave you alone. Go on your merry little way. But for how long? Right. Like, that's that's always going to be hanging over them and their mm-hmm. relationship. And, like, are they ready to deal with that? Because, like, it's not like Homelander's going to be like, ha, you got me. Exactly. Good one. Okay, I'm changing my you ways. You win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like in Super, not to mention Superman again, but it's like, oh, look, Lois, he's going to turn his life around. You know? Yes. Like, <laughs> he's not changing, you know? And this is also... Mm-hmm. The episode right after he was caught on video killing somebody else, too. And he seems to have gotten away with it so far. Like, they don't, there doesn't seem to be any other ramifications for this. So, yeah. Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's, I feel like Maeve is one of the most kind of quietly tortured characters on the show, yeah. you know? And she's I, just, I don't know. She's been put in so many no win situations at this point that it's hard to tell who she is, where she stands, what she actually wants, yeah. you know? And I, what I think she really wants is just to be left alone, you know? Yeah. I, I do think she's found, like, a little bit of strength from... I mean, obviously, she was, like, forced to come out in one way, but now that she is, it seems like she's getting a little braver. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> of those pride me. bars, you know? Yeah, she's been <laughs> eating a lot of those pride bars, and it's giving her some strength. Um, But it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. And so from one ethical decision to another, let's talk about Grace. She's the Mm. last one I have on our um, Spice Girls list. And the scene at the end is just, man, I was tearing up. Like, it's so... Tell me your thoughts about her wanting to kill Lamplighter. Lamplighter wanting her to kill him. How how did you feel about this scene? Yeah, I... I mean, it's it was fascinating to kind of learn more about this backstory. And then it was even more fascinating to see that, like, oh, they called her. And, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I think she was just as shocked, right? Like, when they opened that that ambulance, like, she was not expecting to see him. Mm-hmm. And she was not expecting to see Lamplighter in that state. I think she even mm-hmm. says something like, why is he not, like, restrained? Like, why is he? And, but then, you know, Lamplighter's like, I told them to call you. Like, I wanted this moment. I need you to know. Mm-hmm. And and also willing to kind of accept whatever punishment that Grace wants to bestow on him. And that kind of, you know, and, and us too, like as, you know, as viewers, we've kind of thought of Lamplighter as one thing. And so to realize that, like, you know, he does have remorse, like he does have guilt, like he's not you know, in the Homelander category, it's like things are a little bit more gray with him. Like he's not really a good guy, clearly, but he's not unaware that his choice, he's made some bad choices and he's not unaware of the weight of these things that he's done. Mm -hmm. And, but it was, I mean, that has to be such a tough decision because it's like, she's had to have thought about this moment for like how many times, Mm -hmm. like this has been something that's understandably been torturing her for years Mm -hmm. um and then i think also to see frenchie kind of stand up for him yeah it's kind of like all right 
I guess I have to accept this and reach some other sort of that that's the harder choice I think I think Mm -hmm. the easier choice would have been to just kill him and get it over with so it was interesting to see Grace not go that route and actually like in a weird way I was like oh good like I guess I wanted Lamplighter to survive yeah well I'm not going to talk about how dreamy he is but I mean he could help them too like he seems to be on their side he does help them escape I love the Mm -hmm. moment where they realize that he is going to help them get out when he's lying to Stormfront. Um, and and so, like, the cynical side is, well, they can use him. He can, yeah. you know, he can tell what's been happening at the Sage Grove Center. But I also think, like, if he were this inhuman Homelander monster, it's so much easier to just hate him. And mm-hmm. knowing, especially knowing what we know about Frenchie, that he maybe expected to show up hoping Frenchie would maybe take him out. Maybe that yeah. was the easiest thing. Maybe he just showed up and then Frenchie killed him then and then he didn't have to deal with it. Um, and to so if Grace has a little bit of the blame for this because mm-hmm. she has... And I'm not saying she's done anything wrong because she is fighting for good. But like when you go into battle, the people around you become vulnerable. And I think, you know, if she could just hate Lamplighter, she wouldn't have to like kind of deal with any of that guilt. Um, And yeah, it's just it's just another way of saying, like, I don't want to be left off the hook when Lamplighter's like, you'd be doing me a favor, you know, and I don't know, to just think he's punishing himself you know it's yeah. just it's really it's a really well done scene you know yeah yeah like executed well like i believe them all and it's mm-hmm. like just such a complicated mess like how guilt and like <laughs> forgiveness and like what that does to you because like by forgiving one person then you have to look at your own like feelings mm-hmm. and emotions like you said like grace is going to have to look at herself more and be like yeah look around like i put them in this situation it's because of me that they and that's you know she probably knows that at some level, but maybe she hasn't fully accepted or like acknowledged that in some ways just by mm-hmm. focusing all of her anger on Lamplighter. And now that she can't really do that anymore, just kind of the the process that's going to have to happen with all of these people. But but yeah, also maybe there's a little part where she's like, oh, well, yeah, maybe we can use Lamplighter now. Like clearly he hasn't been, he's been burned <laughs> by Vought. <laughs> In a lot yeah. of ways, kind of relegated to this shit position, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so maybe, like, he's ready to make up for it in some way and yeah. redeem himself. Well, and it just is, it's the reason I love this show. It's like there is really no ultimate good or evil, you know? And mm-hmm. even, like, even Stormfront and Homelander transitioning us back into uh the bad boys because we've got two more (laughs) two more complicated characters Mm -hmm. to talk about but it's like i i feel for homelander a little bit when stormfront blows him off and i feel for for uh stormfront just a tiny tiny bit when she's talking i'm sorry i didn't mean to make that symbol when i'm talking about stormfront um (laughs) when she's talking about her daughter her daughter died you know and i imagine how hard it would be to watch everybody you love grow old and die and you still this stay the same age again not excusing anything they do they're awful people but it's just like i just love that this show will not let us forget that all of these people are human even if they're superhuman too you know yeah and I, i'm sure stormfront has to feel some sort of responsibility like i've been given this gift of you know a life that's gonna last who knows how long she clearly mm-hmm. hasn't aged like a day it seems like from when right. we saw those 
saw those photos of her. So like, it's up to me to kind of continue his legacy and my children and like, kind of keep this going on because they can't. And mm-hmm. so there's probably a little bit of that just it's just for a really awful reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just happens to be terrible. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's like, I don't know, I think about Stephen King saying everybody's the hero of their own story, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's what makes these characters so believable is like, you can understand why she would believe that even though it is completely opposite yeah. to anything, any kind of moral values we would have. Um, well, let's talk about some people whose problems are way less serious. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the deep and a train. We're back to the bad boys. Um, Man, not a whole lot uh, happening, but man, uh, Deep is pushing some fresca. I know. Yeah, he's fully on that, you know, Church of the Collective train. He's Mm -hmm. out there. And apparently now they're trying to draw in a train by basically blackmailing him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Apparently, Goran, what's what's his character's name? I think oh um Alistair Alistair has done some research on a train and is you know calls out his seven figure debt and his heart condition and his withdrawal symptoms and you know stuff that a train has not really told a whole lot of people about and using that against him to try to like become a member of the church I'm not exactly sure why they want these sort of like broken ass superheroes <laughs> in there, but Apparently, that's one of their objectives because they've got the deep working yeah. for them. Um, and now they're trying to get a train. Yeah. And it's like this this truth exchange, too, you know, and deep <laughs> yeah. is he's just completely drinking the the fresca, I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, and I, I don't know how much do you know about Scientology? Did you ever watch that going clear documentary? No, have not watched that, but listened to a lot of last podcasts <laughs> on the left, all their series. About. Oh, I haven't listened to that. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's the documentary is really good, but I, I wonder if it's just like any in and it's kind of like um, Stormfront. Like, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to use Annie, but I know I can probably use her in some way. So they're just it feels like a collecting assets kind of thing. And like, if I yeah. get some dirt on you, you can you'll do something for me down the road. But they, they did point something out that I thought was really interesting. Alistair says something about the fact that A-Train doesn't, like, Vought owns their names. Mm-hmm. So he's, because he said something about, like, oh, God, what's the other guy's name? The fast guy. They're Shockwave, like, I think. Shockwave. They're like, they'll probably, you know, what if they just give him your name A-Train? Like, they'll just turn him into the new A-Train. Like, you don't own that name. And I was like, that's fascinating and, like, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I guess it was just something I hadn't realized. Like, oh, if you're a member of the Seven, we own your name, your likeness, all the licensing. Like, you get a little cut or whatever. But like, we could rescind that at any time. Mm-hmm. And then what? You're just, you know, what is his real name? Like, no, that's the deep Kevin. That's Kevin Moscow's. I don't know if we know what A Train's real name is. And I so it's Pop Plus at at one point. But yeah, or his brother or something. But it's mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, like this identity that you think you have like you don't even have that so like who are you what are you because that could all go away and it probably will mm-hmm. like i mean well you're fired so like right well. <laughs> yeah but like you can't even like be a train at conventions or something because we now own that name and i'm thinking about like starlight who clearly came up with her own persona but yeah. now that she's signed on with Vought, like is 
could she do that? You know, it's like, thinking, you know, maybe it's something that you can keep if you're on their good side and they like, mm-hmm. well, like, sure, but forever, all your licensing, we get a percentage or something. But right. like, what if you piss them off? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. or, or you're, you know, a junkie or whatever. And so they're like cut ties. And then all of a sudden you don't have that, that you thought you could rely on it. Like you can't even rely on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, I think goes, you know, I was just editing the season three or the episode three where we talk about a train, being Mm -hmm. afraid to go back to nothing and I think it's just kind of furthers his motivation of like I know I don't have anything what I don't even have my name anymore you know because that is you know I'm thinking about like horror icons like a lot of the money they make is like going to conventions signing autographs you know and that's how you kind of keep yourself working Mm -hmm. if you can't do that what's he gonna do you know yeah um, well, is there anybody we haven't talked about? We've kind of been bopping all over the bag boy Spice Girls list, but I kind of liked doing it that way. I felt like it was it, this felt like an episode that really lent itself to to synergy. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. There was a lot of moments between characters, which I thought was pretty crazy that we got yeah. all of this in once. Oh, I did just want to say about MM. Like, I think mm-hmm. that it was super sweet. Like when Kamiko's kind of having a little bit of a panic attack, like he recognizes that. And, you know, is like puts his arm around her and like comforts her and is like, it's all right. Like, mm-hmm. it's all good. Like, we're here. And it's just, I mean, of course, we've talked how much we love of him all the time. Oh, but yeah. just to see him in that moment, recognize and like, understand what was happening. And just like, that was just so sweet. And then also learning a little bit about like when he was going to propose to his, oh, yeah. you know, his wife. And then it just makes it even sadder that it's like, he still doesn't have his family. Like what's mm-hmm. going on there? Like poor MM is just so like strong and stoic and such a support for everybody. And yeah, even when Frenchie tells him this, you know, it was like, we would have been there for you, dude. Like he's just, he's just kind of the best. <laughs> yeah, he really is. And I feel like, like I almost had him on the list. So I'm glad you mentioned him because I feel like he's so easy to overlook because he is just the quiet backbone, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just, because I didn't even notice that moment when he calmed uh, Kamiko down because there's always so much else going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he just continues to be the dreamiest, even like he gets a giant dick, like like wrapped around his neck in this episode and holds it together <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> and i loved Fr- frenchie's like don't be so close-minded yeah <laughs> you know? oh. mm-hmm. well let's talk about that flashback let's move into good and evil that's the one that i wanted to talk about is the flash the flashback not only do we get to see lamplighter i, I like that we get to see both versions of lamplighter we see his slick uh outfit i imagine having to carry that torch around all the time like how i like how they laughed be. at him I, I do too i love it he was like yeah i know dudes but he can't give them that you know <laughs> um but did you also notice butcher's hair you know oh yeah it was like, slicked back oh. and just like also that it was butcher's idea i don't Mm. think they'd really like i think mallory says something about like i don't don't corner a wild animal something like yeah yeah so that like this whole i think idea of kind of blackmailing lamplighter in some way i don't know what like they had on him they didn't show it or explain it but they had some sort of photographic evidence of him in some sort of scenario maybe Mm -hmm. we'll find out later maybe we won't but just that they were blackmailing him like that was his idea and like clearly maybe that didn't 
turn out and now now it makes a lot more sense like oh this yeah. is why maybe mallory's like fuck you dude this whole plan was your idea yeah and it got my grandkids killed like that makes so much more sense why she'd be like i'm out <laughs> right i've lost enough i'm done is it in poor taste if i say it backfired <laughs> yes but no because <laughs> they're not real so not we can make real. jokes um but also it also may tell us a little bit more about why butcher is uh kind of antsy about having starlight be a mole because like of how badly it went the time before and and you know she still we see starlight and we see her into we like we we know enough to know she's not trying to screw, screw them over yeah but butcher hasn't seen all of that and so i could see him not wanting to trust her and thinking is this another lamplight or is this gonna because you know he probably carries some of that guilt as well I think it's easier for him to just drown all of his pain in Becca but yeah you know I'm sure he probably feels some responsibility for that too oh sure I'm sure that just contributes to his like just hard no soup line of course yeah. because look what yeah like look what happened last like he couldn't trust him and they yeah. went too far and yeah and it cost, you know, it cost Grace. And it busted up the team. Like, it was it was so nice to see them all happy and liking each other. And it just mm-hmm. shows you, like, how contentious it has been. Even when it, that we have the good moments, it's still, like, like, Butcher's not actively being mean or calling anybody a cunt. But he's, like, off to the side. But everybody else are, like, talking about bachelor parties. And it's just, I know. oh, it's so sweet. And it just shows you, like, how much they lost, you know arguably because of butcher although everybody made their choices and one of the one of the things i really like about this and i see um yeah i think you added guilt and punishment it's it's one of those things where it's like this was just a really bad thing that happened and everybody's Mm -hmm. to blame and nobody's to blame and it just you can't like i i was also just watching a show that's not out yet so i don't spoil it but it's like there's no such thing as no pain you know there's no such thing as yeah. a pain-free life and when really bad things happen you just have to feel bad for a while until you don't feel bad anymore you know yeah and just also like seeing these flashbacks you can kind of see how this incident in particular has really affected these characters that we've like known in the present and then you can kind of like get a little glimpse of how they were in the past mm-hmm. and it's just kind of putting it all into perspective i think a little bit and just like the ramifications of this incident and how each one has handled it a little bit differently and like they've all been struggling with it but just how that's impacted all of their lives so dramatically and changed not only you know what happened to them after it but like their actual personalities and moving forward and stuff like like yes there's always like you can still see like glimpses of them like okay you know you can still see like that kind of that Frenchie that's just exuberant and like super Mm -hmm. fun and happy, but also like he's a little bit, he's a little bit darker now. Yeah. Yeah. And got some scars. And it makes sense. Like, of course, of course you would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of those scars, let's move into shock and awe. Um, And we've already talked about a lot of this. I, just still want to shout out Stranger Things meets Cabin in the Woods. Like, mm-hmm. it would not be a more perfect scene for me. I fucking loved it. Um, and the soup terrorists we've talked about. Uh, is there any other ones we want to mention or anything about um, Sage Grove that was shocking that we haven't mentioned or want to shout out? 
I mean, I was just surprised, like the general, like what was going on at Sage Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the acid vomit, the guy, the fact that like the acid actually like dissolved him, like he's not yeah. immune. <laughs> That is fucked up. <laughs> I know. That was one of the ones I wrote about on the, the that makes no sense and makes no sense in quotation marks. I don't get to yes. choose the titles of those things. But I was like, how is that not? Eat? I guess it has to activate in the air or something. Maybe but. something. But like that was pretty shocking to me. I thought that yeah. was like super funny and like su- like they're all just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, like even, and Kamiko just ripped somebody's face off. So like for her to be. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, surprise. Like, oh, that sucks, dude. Uh, mm. I also just want to say A-Train's anthem. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this, like, consolation prize, I guess. Like, <laughs> oh, you're getting fired. But, like, listen to this. We, like, mm. we're working on this demo for you to, like, get some royalties and stuff. And I just love that. So the guy in the video who's performing that demo is the composer for the series, Christopher Lennertz. Oh, nice. Um, so I thought that was, like, really fun that he gets a little cameo in, like, kind of a fun way. Because he probably wrote that, too. But, like, yeah. it's, it's just it's just funny that they, like, snuck that in. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this show and music, I love that they are just, like, really willing to commit on all of these tiny little details. It's just so much fun. I was listening to, well, because I was just editing, I was listening to Heroes Never Die, or Never Truly yeah. Vanish. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a good song. It gets stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and you hear, like, the actual A-Train anthem, like, in the end credits, and it's like, oh, oh they went, like, yeah. they actually recorded, like, it's not just that demo version. Like, there's a full, like, nice, like, it sounds like a real song. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're going to have to look it up and see if there's a video, because there is a character that we haven't met yet that we're going to meet in season three that has a video, too. Um, Amazing. And I know I was watching it the other day. It's, oh my God, it's so good. It's not as good as Never Truly Vanished, but man, that's just my kind of jam. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am a 90s kid at heart. And, uh, you know, Whitney Houston still gets me. All right. Well, let's choose our fighter. So, Rachel, who's your MVP of the episode and why do you love them? Um, so, my MVP in this episode was Frenchie. <gasps> I, I just I loved getting to see and learn about this, you know, this storyline that we've just kind of had little hints and nudges and winks, you know, about and now to finally kind of like, yes, finally got it. Like, I, I understand now. But then also to find out like there was still even more secrets that other people didn't know and like find out that story about his, you know, his friend and everything and just, you know, how MM handled it in that moment and just kind of then how... Frenchie was able to kind of, I don't know, find some sort of catharsis in that and move mm-hmm. forward not only with Kamiko, but with Mallory and Lamplighter himself. Like, you know, he just went through a lot and he likes Golden Girls yeah. and he's open minded. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, this was like such a great episode to find out so much about him mm-hmm. and just get to know his character deeper on another level, but also like, fills in so much narrative content like fills in all these holes and really just adds even more depth to this story so yeah loved Frenchie in this I agree loved him I am gonna choose Lamplighter so mm-hmm. I think they're they're that's like the a story that's yeah. like the, the best one of maybe the season like there's a lot of really great things there that have been building for a long time I fucking love Sean Ashmore um, I think it's such a brilliant casting because he mm. played Iceman in uh, yeah. X-Men, which I was a big X-Men fan. That's the one superhero thing that I got into. Um, so loved him. And I love that he does horror. He's so dreamy. Um, have you seen Frozen? Oh, yeah. I oh, love Frozen. So good. <laughs> and there's another one. I don't know if you've seen this. It came out a couple of years ago called The Free Fall. 
which is it's so good it's a really small movie but if you're listening you should check it out because he's like i don't want to say anything that's going to spoil it but he is great in it it's a horror movie um possessiony kind of movie and he's great in it and super hot um but yeah he's great i think I think this wouldn't work with a weak link in this pairing, uh-huh. you know, and I think both of them really kind of bring uh, bring their a-, a game to this. <laughs> and it just really sings. And I think for like a brand new character to come in, he really kind of drops in and uh, and brings out this side of Frenchie that we haven't seen. And so I, I just love it. Yeah. So that's mine. And predictions so what do you think might happen next and what are you excited to see yeah so i you know it appears that stormfront has homelander i think like it feels like she kind of has him right where she wants him like yes Mm. she's being truthful um but also like there's some other motives and hidden agendas going on and i'm terrified but excited (laughs) to kind of see how she's going to wield this weapon that she has (laughs) under her control um Because, yeah, the last thing Homelander needs is, like, an inflated ego. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of what she's giving him, I think. Just kind of reinforcing, oh, I, oh, I, he is a god. And, like, I knew I was a god, right? And, like, now he's, she's going to support that idea? That's not good. Um, And I think especially because of that, I'm nervous for Maeve. Because it's, like, even... Those those two things I feel like are gonna be like on a collision course. This like new kind of even more amped up Homelander and then Maeve trying to blackmail him in some capacity, I feel like is not gonna end well. Um and I don't think she realized I mean she can't. She doesn't know what's going on. So uh but I fear she's gonna find out. And same thing kind of goes for Starlight. She so she took out this chip. But, like, how long is that going to work, you know, before they're like, where have you been? We can't find you. You're, you can't, we can't track you. So it's like, how long is she going to be able to fly under the radar um, without them knowing or getting suspicious? So I don't know if she's really thought that far. I know she's doing it to protect herself from Stormfront, but I mean, they're going to, they're going to find out. Like, what, where is her right. chip? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why, where have you been? You know? Yeah. Well. I'm not going to say anything, but I will say that I I don't want to say if you thought this episode was great because this episode is fantastic, but man, it's going to get very, very good. And I'm very, very excited. Here for Um, it. But before we're going to talk about uh, where we go next, let's wrap up with some plugs. So Rachel, where can we find you and what's coming up? Sure. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L, or Instagram at The Vinyl Girl. And lots of stuff coming up on like Halloweenies. We are rolling into spooky season. So like all sorts of content, not just Chucky. We've got some Halloween stuff. We've got some Friday the 13th stuff. We've got so something for everybody hitting all the major franchises. So um, October will be fun over there. And we're just going to keep rolling through the end of the year. So yeah, lots of good stuff there. Nice. And you can find me at Jim Ferratu um, on various social media platforms. You can find me hosting the Losers Club. And yeah, we Rachel and I just did an epic Holly character corner where we just went through all six books and it was super fun. Um, and we also have a lot of really fun stuff coming up in October too. And um, judging, uh, 
depending on when this is coming out, I have a new show that you should definitely check out. It's called The Lady Killers, and we talk about female uh, murderers in film. So make sure to check it out. I know. I'm so excited. Um, So yeah, you can find that. Just follow me. Uh, We don't have all the details at the time of recording right now, but we will probably by this time this episode drops. So follow me and I'll post it all. Um, And that's it for this episode of The Girls on the Boys. We want to give a huge thank you to the Anatomy of a Screen pod squad for hosting the show. Make sure to check out all the other awesome pods in the feed. Like, oh, I forgot to mention White Ladies in Crisis. We are um, going back into some erotic thrillers now that physical is over. Yeah, super excited about that. I have got quite a list that I want to cover. Um, And we are going to be back in your ears in two weeks to talk about the seventh episode. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, I don't know. Heads will roll. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) So until then, remember, you guys, you are the real heroes. Squad.